is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from my office under quarantine. Of course, the coronavirus has got us on lock. I myself am about eight days removed from two pretty significant conferences, so I've made a conscious decision to self-quarantine and try to keep my distance from individuals to hopefully keep them at bay and everybody safe. I know it's difficult for many to be cooped up in the house, but this is an opportunity for us to focus on what gives us strength. The Fundamism community has been uh, preparing for this for some time. The fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle are about focusing more on what gives us strength as opposed to what doesn't. And that means that in this time, right now, when we're around our family and in our house, and we don't have all of these outside things to focus our attention on, it's become even more imperative for us to focus internally on the things that give us strength. So smile often, laugh a lot, watch your favorite shows, exercise in your basement, crack dad jokes, Google science experiments. We're going to, over the course of the next several weeks, be dropping some uh, podcast content, video content that allows you to, to really expand your, uh, your knowledge base on what you could potentially do at your own home. But until then, it's simple, guys. Do things that make you smile. This particular episode is brought to you, as always, by our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle, like many businesses in the nation uh, and worldwide, are, uh, are having to conduct business a little different. And so right now, you could support a local business by going to charliehustle.com and swooping up one of your favorite shirts, supporting a, a local brand and uh, a Kansas City community. Please, if you don't have the means to do that, your family comes first. As always, we greatly appreciate your support, not just for Charlie Hustle, but the Fundamism podcast and brand, but more importantly, just the world as a whole. We need each other right now. We need to lift each other up. And if that means that you need to focus all of your attention, both monetarily and uh, physically, mentally on your family, then by all means, do it. This episode is going to be a little bit different from previous episodes in that we had to do it remotely. Uh, under self-quarantine, I do not have the ability to get out amongst friends uh, or new connects. So I had the opportunity to be interviewed by my friend Cam F. Awesome, former Olympic uh, heavyweight contender, uh, or at least hopeful, and uh, all-around awesome guy, friend, speaker, asked me to come on his podcast, and so we had the opportunity to do that over Skype. The audio that you're about to hear is sent directly from Cam F. Awesome, is not the uh, best quality as it's not live like we typically do uh, or like to do our podcast, but ultimately it's content. And um, in this difficult time, in this challenging space, if indeed this particular interview gets you through uh, a difficult situation uh, or a trying time or moves your day a little faster, then Fundamism has successfully accomplished what we set out to do. So thank you very much for sticking with us. We appreciate your support. Stay strong. Uh, ultimately, focus more on what gives you strength and enjoy this episode. All right. We have 
the host of the Fundamism Podcast, the best-selling author of Fun Book, professional speaker, husband, father, mediocre disc golf player, and Ric Flair enthusiast. Woo! Paul J. Long. Woo! That was the weakest woo I ever heard, KMF Awesome. I've I've been I haven't had my Robitussin. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How uh how are you living? Uh, I'm living large. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're on lockdown here in Kansas, the beautiful state of Kansas, which you used to uh, reside in right down the street, actually. The mean streets. Um, the, yeah, the mean streets of, of Kansas. We obviously are in quarantine. We're, uh, we're watching ourselves. I myself just uh, returned nine days ago from two pretty significant conferences, so I'm trying to use better judgment and not expose others to myself until I realize I'm all in the clear. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, everything kind of shut down. Just saw your video on Instagram, kind of reminding everyone they're quarantined, but try to make the best of everything. It's good to remember. I'm, I'm not built for this. I don't like not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I got, I got dressed, uh, to like, go down to the apartment complex gym and I got down there and they even closed the apartment complex gym. Jeez. So the, the struggle's real. So I'm just trying to make the best of my time and be productive. And, uh, and now I'm talking to you, which is about to lift you up a notch. Oh, you're bringing the fundamentalism. Uh, <laughs> you are actually the first person I ever act. I worked on speaking with. It was what? Yeah, it was me, you, and Brandon. Uh, mm-hmm. We went somewhere down down the bottom, bot- uh, sh- somewhere West in Kansas. West Bottoms City. or something. Well, yeah, like West Bottoms. Yeah. yeah, West Bottoms, and, and we recorded some videos, and and I was like proud of the. I was proud of that. I was like I'm doing good, and I look back at those videos. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> so, ha- have you found since you've been in the speaking world that like? things that you were proud of that you look back on now and seeing how much you've grown, you're like shocked. 100%. I think, you know, it's interesting because everybody thinks that, you know, you go into, let's remove speaking and you go into the real world to get a job and you're concerned that uh, you're not a qualified applicant because you don't have the experience. And sometimes uh, suspect organizations will justify not hiring you by saying you don't have the experience. Well, ultimately, the first thing that I would say to anybody trying to get into anything is just do the damn thing. Like, try it. Work out the kinks. Figure it out. You got to start somewhere. And so going back to three years ago, you and I were in the same exact spot. And uh, believe it or not, we kind of we kind of went through the come up together and we were just trial and error. And ultimately, I look back at those videos and, yeah, I'm, you know, disgusted isn't the word, but I'm like, damn, like lots of opportunity gaps. And even to this day, I mean, we're the fast forward three years, much further along in the process, but I'm still hypercritical of myself and identify areas of opportunity every single thing that I do. Yeah. Dope. It's how you become great. Well, I I don't know I don't know what uh I don't know what I'm trying for. I, I'm just trying to have fun, live life, man. I think that right now the world needs uh, folks like you, Cam F. Awesome, and monikers like that, awesome, uh, to ultimately get us through challenging times. So, whether it's good, great, or just mediocre, I'm just trying to help people through the struggle. You're good with words, man. You're good with words. <laughs> what What did Paul J. Long do before he entered the world of professional speaking? 
Uh, I did a lot of stuff. I worked in commercial real estate. I uh, was changing light bulbs, sweeping up sidewalks. Uh, I worked at Brownie's Barbecue. Sounds like you're doing uh, community service. <laughs> mm, yeah, sweeping there was a little sidewalks. bit of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, we worked for my uncle Dave Stansfield. He owned a company called Desco Properties, and he owned about three or four large commercial properties. And my boy, John Stoner, which you know what very up? well, him and I – we uh, not only were we best friends growing up, but we are colleagues. So we both started working with Dave Stansfield at Desco Properties. And what we found out quickly was he didn't really need our services. He was just living vicariously through us. So we would just we would play home run derby and uh, shoot clay pigeons and ride go karts and the occasional uh, street sweeping. But we didn't do much work. I'll tell you that much. And then my career culminated uh, at a call center with Farmers Insurance, just doing the dang thing and having a good time there. Nice. Uh, what led you into uh, professional speaking? Happenstance. Uh, I recall very distinctly this gentleman, uh, an acquaintance at the time. I mean, I would liken it to you and I's relationship three years ago, where I knew of you and we had connected, possibly on Twitter, I think. And come to find out you live right down the street. Well, him and I weren't that close. This gentleman's name was Mark. And we had worked together maybe once or twice. And he was double booked for a keynote for the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. And so he calls me up and he says, I am double booked and I cannot do this gig. Can you do this gig? And I was like, well, I've never done a keynote, but let's go. Jump right in. So I wrote an hour and a half worth of material. It was a key shop, so it was a keynote slash workshop. Again, a bunch of golf course superintendents. Uh, the audience was mainly male, uh, mainly white male, uh, and mainly, I would say, age 40 to 65. And our discussion was all on fundamentalism and leadership. And quickly, the topic changed from fundamentalism and leadership to, leadership to how do you manage these gosh darn millennials? And uh, so an hour and a half, and man, Kim, you know, I had an absolute blast. I wasn't polished. Uh, I don't know how great I delivered the material, but I think at the end of the day, I connected with folks and they connected with me. And so as a result, two weeks later, I get a call from a speaker's bureau out of Iowa. She says, Somebody in this audience recently saw you speak, and they want to book you for a gig. She said, how much do you charge? I said, I don't know. She said, well, what's your website? I said, I don't have one. She said, uh, well, what topics do you speak on? I said, well, this is what I did for that group. And uh, I ended up telling her that I didn't really know what I was doing and asked her for her help. And to make a short story long, she ended up taking me under her wing. She booked me for another gig, and that client – uh, you know, had somebody in the audience that wanted to book me for a gig, and it was just kind of the domino effect. You know, they say to do really, really well in whatever uh, you're doing. You know, everybody throws a lot of attention at marketing or uh, a lot of attention at, at social media or whatever. You know, first things first, you got to do the damn thing and what you're doing. And so, you know, my key has always been doing well, speaking first, and then everything after that second. Dope. So, uh, you 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 chose. You chose fundamentalism as a topic. Uh, I feel like new speakers struggle with finding topics that best fit them, and a lot of times they struggle with with speaking on what's popular or what's catchy, what has buzzwords instead of what's authentic to them. I'd say mm. you're unique. You're unique and authentic in the fact that you you lived fundamentalism before you actually preached about it. Where did you coin the term? 
<laughs> so nobody's ever asked me this question. Hey, I used to do cons- it's a win. <laughs> Uh, it's that gangster vegan in you. Yeah. <laughs> bang, bang, so, compassion gang. <laughs> so for years, I've always been, I mean, similar to you, I, I would believe uh, a class clown always, you know, hamming it up, having a good time, uh, getting strength from the energy of others. And so I'm an extrovert by trade, but, um, uh, you know, I, I, I very much... I'm cool by myself, like I'm cool in my own skin, I'm cool with my own energy, but obviously when I'm around others, uh, it's magnified. So when I was in the call center space, I've always been this way, like since the beginning of, of uh, you know, my birth, since the come out, <laughs> not the come up, but the come it's out. Come out. <laughs> You're coming out party? Um, <laughs> your birthday, your first birthday. My first birthday. I've always been uh, a one wild and crazy guy. But uh, ultimately, it, it wasn't really harnessed. Like, it didn't have a lot of focus. So when I got into the call center space, um, I was just always silly and goofy and trying to make games out of mundane tasks. And people would ask me, like, you know, have you always been this way? And the answer was always yes. But I didn't necessarily, again, know how to focus my energy. And so I started doing consulting years later for, like, a Dale Carnegie-esque consultant firm. And I had this conversation with this gentleman by the name of Chad Carton, who I could attribute a lot of where I am today in uh, you know, the development that he, that he helped uh, me get and, and go through. We were just talking about my mindset and uh, fun, and we started talking about you know, what I live, which, is the, which are the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So essentially, we just started like rapping back and forth, and all of a sudden together we came up with this term fundamism, the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So when you say, how did you coin it? It's literally those three words, fundamentals, fun, and optimistic, all thrown together into fundamism. And, and, and you've Googled, no one ever even said that word before you? Nah, man, oh. I'm a I'm a trailblazer. You're a trailblazer, but I think Spellcheck needs to put some respect on fundamentalism. <laughs> respect, yeah, there was some respect, like because iPhone does not iPhone does not acknowledge fundamentalism as a thing. Mm-mm. And you know, unless if, you use it as often as I do. I, oh, I, I already right clicked it and I said learn word. So my MacBook has put some respect on fundamentalism. Uh, so th- <laughs> how how do you? Uh, orchestrate the the philosophy of fundamentalism in all these different businesses and organizations you speak at? Because if you're speaking to a group of golf superintendents, and I I can only assume it's a very diverse group, different diverse groups that you speak to. For sure. Well, I I think the the first thing um, to really shed light on is that I'm not trying to get anybody to be like me because I'm, you know, again, a little out there, uh, extremely extroverted. I do a lot of silly stuff. And so, you know, one of the things that Chad Carden told me was nobody could be you better than you. So whenever I get in front of an organization, I'm blessed with an opportunity. I'm not trying to get anybody to be me. I'm not trying to get them to wear a cat suit or be loud and obnoxious or scream fundamentalism from the rooftops. What I'm trying to get them to do is identify what does their fun look like? How is it defined? And how do we get you to focus more on the things that lift you up as opposed to the things that don't? 
those are the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So whether I'm working with the golf course superintendents or I'm working with, you know, a, a large core healthcare, a, a large scale healthcare industry uh, or company organization, uh, or you know, a, a smaller local business like Charlie Hustle. What we're really focused in on is how do we create employee engagement? How do we create a culture of fun where people are focusing more on what's working as opposed to what's not working? And ultimately, how do we allow that to manifest itself in every single person building up to the larger uh, collective of individuals that form this organization? Do you, during your, uh, I guess, your workshops? And your keynotes, do, do you place fundamentalism in their own workplace with like actual scenarios? 100%. So yes, absolutely. Um, so the way that I conduct business is, so I have many different value offerings as do you, uh, but really the, the catalyst to my success and the most booked uh, engagement that I have is a 60 to 90 minute keynote. And I think it's always important to level set expectations that it's very challenging to change behavior in 60 to 90 minutes. If you're looking for me to come in in 60 to 90 minutes and you know flip your organization on its head and change everybody's behavior, that, that's not necessarily a realistic goal. So my goal in 60 to 90 minutes is, is just to force you to think about where you are, where you aspire to be, and what are the roadblocks that are there. Uh, so in that, the only way to do so is to identify real-life scenarios where fundamentalism can be applied. So one of my favorite fundamentals is uh, a new spin. So placing a new spin on the mundane tasks that you do every single day. And so whether this is uh, creating a fun voicemail, like my voicemail, it's, it's you know, thank you for calling Paul J. Long. Everybody's got the thank you for calling Paul J. Long. Uh, please leave your name and number at the beep, and I'll be sure to get right back with you. So mine is, what's good? Thank you for calling Paul J. Long. Leave your name, number, and the best thing that's happened to you today, and I'll be sure to get right back with you. Uh, priorities and callbacks go to individuals that take the time to think about something great that has happened to you. Have fun with it. Deuces. So nice. that's a new spin on a voicemail greeting. And so when you get that, you're caught off guard because you hear voicemail greetings every single day. And as a result, you're not forced to think about anything different than what you think about every single day, work, weather, and family. So I like to create these, uh, what John McGraw, former Kansas City chief and, and now a mindfulness expert with Vision Pursue says uh, or calls uh, brain pattern interrupters. So take these things that you do every single day that it's just like Groundhog Day, like checking your email, and how do you put a new spin on them and make them more fun and intriguing and uh, inject a little enthusiasm and fundamentalism in them? So checking email. Have you ever read your emails aloud in the voice you perceive them to be in your head? Uh, in corporate America, when I was there, you know, everybody sent in emails, yes or no questions. I took care of said task on uh, April 13th, but what if... What if you could convey all those things, gifts or memes, something that's super hot to the younger generation right now? It's going to speak to them. It's going to be a brain pattern interrupter, and ultimately, it's going to inject a little more fun and fundamentalism in their day. You're really good. You are dropping good. knowledge you bars on you, son. Bars, <laughs> bars. I need a I need a soundboard again. Uh, I'm talking rainforest, sweaty. <sighs> Amazon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Amazon. I guess that's where everyone's living now in grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, Not for toilet paper, though. No. Uh, are you short on toilet paper? I want to get mean, too personal. Like, no, let's talk about this because 
what is the deal with this toilet paper situation? I don't get it. Call like, in right now and tell me what your thoughts are. <laughs> what is the deal with this toilet paper situation? I mean, there's not a shortage on food, but a shortage on toilet paper. I mean, like, I've always been – so first of all, we've always subscribed in the long household to a couple of sheets of TP and then them baby wipes life, Wet you know, wipes. because ultimately cleanliness is next to godliness. Yes. But Church. that said, I don't understand why people aren't buying up the food, but they're buying up the toilet paper. Like, if I get that dirty, I'm just getting in the shower. Like, yeah. like well, that's what a washcloth is for. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I may Because I haven't met anybody with – who has tested positive, but I assume the only symptom is, is explosive <laughs> diarrhea is the BGs. A little bit of bubble I'm, guts. Bubble dude, guts, I have identified somebody uh, that's tested positive in my life. Yep. Yeah. Uh, positively awesome. What? Uh, you, sir. Oh. Get it. And I'm uh, contagious, so it. watch well, out. Is good. <laughs> uh, so uh, you have uh, built quite a name for yourself in the speaking world, and it would seem uh, out of nowhere, but I'm sure it hasn't been out of nowhere. But it looks that way. You make it look easy. Your branding is impeccable, impregnable, oh. as as Tyson would say. Uh, from from your book to your to the Fundamism podcast, which has been, uh, and I would commend you on. Amazingly consistent week after week for seventy-eight episodes. For sure, yeah. Ooh, up, up until the last two weeks. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. The world. I feel like if the NBA stopped, so could you. <laughs> but you know what? Truth be told, uh, it's nothing but sheer laziness. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, subscriber to gravitate towards the things that give you strength. And so kind of similar to the process in writing my book, I started writing my book like eight, nine years ago. And I sat down and I wrote heavy for like a week or two and had a ton of content. And then ultimately it wasn't fun anymore. Like it became a job to me. And so I lacked the initiative to do it. And so uh, as a result of that, uh, I've kind of always gotten to this, this place in my life where I'm going to do the things that lift me up, that give me strength. And I'm not saying you can't do all – I'm not saying that that there are things that uh, that aren't enjoyable that you should just run from. I'm saying that that if I do more of what gives me strength and the stuff that doesn't will be mitigated. And so the last two weeks, man, I've been focused on my family. Um, you know, I got kids running around the like – like, you know, cra- Yes. <laughs> They're crazy. So ultimately – you know, the thought of getting out my podcast equipment and finding a quiet place in this house right now is not ideal. And so I think that, um, you know, per your lead now asking me to be on this podcast, which I greatly appreciate it, what I think I'm going to start doing is like, it's just going to be even more informal, which is what fundamentalism is all about anyway. And if the kids are screaming and they're acting a damn fool, well, that's real life. And so let's be authentic with it. Uh, Yep. I've listened to Arish Affair. He's caught in flack for a bunch of things in the days, but yeah. uh, his podcast, The Skeptic Tank, he does it on airplanes, and the they'll be in mid-conversation, and the lady will interrupt, like, would you guys like more drinks? He's like, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'll have blah, blah, blah. What else? And he gets right back to the podcast, and I appreciate it more hearing those interactions and seeing mm. it's actually not a scripted deal where everyone has their rehearsed answers, and you know, you, every sports 
interview, uh, every sports interview with an athlete is has been the same. And the and like I've been known for having my having my fundamentalism times with interviews because yes. every news interview is like with with athletes like yeah. So uh, we came to play today and and we played and then they played and we want to thank God. And, and I'm like, sports are supposed to be fun and entertaining. We're supposed to do it to get away from our normal lives. Why not have fun in our interviews? So, like the Taylor Swift of boxing. Like the Taylor Swift of boxing. So, like, I feel like right now is a uh, you're, you're starting to see less of that formal interview approach and more of a kind of laxed real life. You can wear a suit, loosen up your tie, type podcast. And uh, Love it. interactions. So what what uh, what have you been doing to keep your uh, kids busy? Because idle hands are the tools <laughs> of the devil. <laughs> well, uh, so a couple of things. So first of all, uh, years ago we got a bunch of workout equipment in my basement, and I thought, man, if I if I had a squat rack, I could squat every day. And as you are well aware, uh, just because you have a squat rack doesn't mean you're going to use it every single day. And so I've always been one of those dudes that or guys, gals, whoever, whatever you're into, uh, has been um, the individual that has to go physically to the gym to work up the initiative to – because when I get in my car and I put my music in, like I'm there. I'm committed, whereas I really have to to get in the right mental space to go downstairs in my basement where you know the PlayStation is and the kids are running around and all that stuff. So all that to say that uh, we got our gym right. So I've been lifting every day. And uh, interestingly enough, it's been awesome for my wife and I to bond because she's been doing it with me and the kids are down here. And, uh, dude, I'm thinking about starting my own challenge, my new challenge. So yesterday, get this, Cam, and uh, you're going to be the first person I challenge. So First of all, challenge accepted. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) More fire. (laughs) So, so we put on Motley Crue's Kickstart My Heart, and we just danced and went crazy for the whole song. We could not stop. You had to be moving. So whether it was uh, jumping or whether it was acting like you were jumping rope or skipping or uh, running in place or, or you know, acting like you're doing, uh, you know, what, whatever these things are called. What are these things called? Uh, <laughs> snow angels, jumping jacks. Snow- <laughs> <laughs> Jumping snow angels. Jumping snow uh, angels. <laughs> you have to be moving. And so, dude, after that song was over, I was sweating like – I don't even sweat that much at the gym. Yeah. And my daughter, our daughter, who's seven years old, little Adeline Grace, was talking about how tired her legs were. But it was a blast. We did it all together. And uh, the Kickstart My Heart Challenge has been uh Kickstart has been My Heart. Now I've got to Google what song that is. Uh, <laughs> I can only assume it's not twerkable, so I'll take a different approach. Listen, first of all, uh, I have to teach you about fundamentalism because if you can't make anything twerkable, uh, then clearly I haven't done a good job conveying what fundamentalism is. Are are you quoting my grandma right now? She used to always say that. It's crazy. You you know Iris? Oh, dude – Listen, the bigger question is, does Iris remember me? <laughs> oh, you are you are she, she would call you the unforgettable long. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. So Hey you, man, so you before you go on to the next question, yeah. uh you 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 gave me a lot of praise and 
uh, talked about my come up and all that stuff. Man, it's been really fun to watch you grow as well. Uh, we went in completely different paths. You know, you obviously went all into the speaking, and uh, I admire that because, again, I feel like that's where a lot of people, a lot of people fall flat on their face. Is you, you become this this jack of all trades, and you try to do all of these these things. Uh, instead of throwing all your energy at something that you're certain can produce results if you focus your attention on it. And that's what you did. And as a result, man, I saw you doing the dang thing. I mean, you've been out and, and uh, helping inspire school kids and traveling all across the nation to uh, to do school assemblies and, and all while providing for you and yours. And it's been really admirable to watch. Thank you. Thank you, kind sir. And I, I love that we did start at the same time and we kind of – we. We were seeds next to each other, and we grew into different plants going into different directions. Yes. But we're and you both know what? getting closer to the sun. <laughs> and what's cool about that is you had said, um, you know, it's it's been, you said seemingly from nothing, right? You, you, you came up and blew up for nothing, which uh, three years ago would have absolutely been the case. And I would argue the same for you. And, um, so people will ask me, how did you get your start? How could I become a speaker? And the most challenging thing in not just the development, uh, stage of, of, of growth in speaking, but everything like what works for some does not work for all. And so my come up was completely through speakers bureaus, which I hear is not necessarily conventional. Like typically people are out there grinding and, and cold calling. I've never done that. Like I just, I, I wholeheartedly believe in the power of connection, and so I threw all my energy into connecting with folks and organizations and speakers bureaus. Now, you and I are running parallel uh, in the growth of our careers, and you're asking me what am I doing, and I feel like I'm kind of trying to steer you uh, to the organizational message, r- realizing that 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 wasn't necessarily your space. And I applaud you because you could have very easily – taken my advice or heard what I was saying and switched gears and tried to go into a space which wasn't not necessarily authentic to you. And uh, as a result, you wouldn't have seen the success that you're seeing now. So all that to say, man, that everybody, uh, everybody's got water, but some take miracle grow. Uh, some need more sunlight. Some need less. Uh, ultimately we all have our own different path and uh, process and it's important to, uh, to figure out what works best for you. Yeah, that was a uh, was tough for me to because I would see everybody I, and also for you to make a career out of just going to bureaus. That means so, obviously that that first person who reached out to you who asked you to do that uh, that gig, you did such a good job that a stranger recommended you, a person with no business card, no website, no branding material, no book, no <laughs> podcast, and then you made a uh, a great career off of just bureaus i've never booked a gig from a bureau in my careers yet is that something that you desire no not necessarily awesome i uh uh, i'm getting more into the into the space of nonprofit work because what i'm doing is cool and I i i love i feel like the beatles like i'm famous i go into a school i'm there for an hour i get them out of class i'm like a superhero they love my message they laugh we take a bunch of selfies and i leave and I love – that's the highlight of my day. I'm sure that's a highlight of a lot of the, the, those students' day, but I don't feel like that's enough. I want to be able to work with the same kids for 
maybe not a year, but at least do a program with them. And I want to yeah. uh, start talking to the youth about financial literacy because that's something that schools don't teach you and it's something that your parents are supposed to teach you. But myself being uh, the child of a single mother, I wasn't she, – she didn't know those things to teach me. I was about – I was just before I turned 20. Uh, my coach was like, hey, uh, do you want direct deposit? I'm like, no, I need a check. I don't have a bank account because he's like, where do you cash your checks? I'm like, where do you think you cash a check? A check cashing place <laughs> because everyone growing up around me would go to check cashing places, and I didn't know they just didn't go to banks because they owed money to the banks. Wow. And there's a lot of kids out there that, that don't know that, and think about how broke – and struggling you are as like a young college kid, not knowing already not knowing how to manage money and having all those bad habits because uh, bad money management skills are hereditary. You do what you see the people around you do and what what your uh, guardians or parents do. So uh, that's kind of where the direction I'm going in now. Love it. Yeah. Great for you, man. And and secondly, you know, aside from all of that and and kudos to you in terms of identifying the financial literacy piece and realizing that that what you were doing in your own mind wasn't enough. Uh, first of all, it was enough for a lot of those kids, you know, because they didn't have any point of reference. Um, and, and you might have potentially changed the course of uh, their day, their month, their their year. You know, you never know their life. But all that to say that um, there's something to be said for seeing behavioral change. And that's something that I've struggled with throughout the course of my career is speaking with an organization or individuals for 60, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it may be, hearing how inspired they at least said that they were, you know, giving me hugs and tears and a bunch of laughter and, and, you know, whatever it was that, that they felt, whatever ocean, what, or whatever emotion was, uh, was emitted walking away and wondering, did it stick? Like, was this just a was this just a movie experience where they were like, yeah, I was entertained, but nothing happened as a result? Um, I often struggle with that, and so I applaud you for figuring that aspect out and dedicating more attention for it. Thank you, thank you. Do you, do you feel as if uh, workshops are a little bit better for that? I do, but my biggest struggle right now in my career is um, it's it's escalated um, so fast. That I don't have a ton of time to be able to to focus on workshops, and it takes a lot more prep time. It takes a lot more discovery because I'm not a guy that believes that a cookie cutter approach, as evidenced by what we talked about earlier, is going to resolve every organization's uh, needs or, or fill their gaps. And so, I have to be in your organization to identify where you are, where you desire to be, and what the challenges are to to close those gaps. And that takes again. Uh, more of an investment. So I have to be on site and I have to do more calls and all that stuff. So to this point, because I'm being booked, um, thankfully right now, I'm blessed in my career, although not for the next 60 days, uh, for obvious reasons, everything has been canceled. Um, I just don't have the time to do a ton of workshops and consulting deals. Well, hey, being busy is always a good thing. For sure. Yeah. Except for the next 60 days. But listen, that's, you know, that's why we work hard is, um, you know, I think that right now, at least mentally, we're in a good place 
that I'm not necessarily worried about the next 60 days. I'm not even worried about the next 90 days or the next, you know, year per se. Uh, our money will run out for sure. But here's what I here's what I found over the course of my lifespan. And uh, I may have told you this story before, but forgive me um, for the overlap if I did. The audience haven't heard I, it. <laughs> well, I used to worry about money a lot as a top performer in um, you know whatever workplace I was in. I was always at my year in reviews, always getting you know four or five out of a five uh, star scale. And despite that, I was always worried about getting let go from my job. Like I didn't know where the next paycheck was coming from. What if even as a top performer, I came in and they said, well, we don't need your services anymore. So we hired this consultant firm to uh, ultimately help us grow in the leadership realm. And the the consultant firm asked me to to sever ties with, with the uh, insurance organization and you know, start working with them as a 1099 contractor. Well, what that meant was uh, we were now hunters. Like I would have to go out and find my own gigs, find my own money. Like I, I didn't have a guaranteed paycheck every single two weeks. So knowing how my brain had worked, uh, you know, throughout the years, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm going to I'm going to drive myself miserable. How how could I work in this space not knowing where the next paycheck is coming from? I'm literally going to to go in this, you know, mental funk or this depression of anxiety and and worry about where the next paycheck was coming from. Against my better judgment, I left the organization, started working as a 1099 contractor and Cam, I swear to you, um even through the struggle when we had $40,000 in credit card debt and I wasn't sure where the next payment uh, or check was coming from, I wasn't I wasn't worried about money as much as I was when I was tied directly together with uh, an organization who had my uh, who, who basically owned my uh, value at that time, at least in my head. Your value is your uh, time. And, my value, yeah. And they got sure. you forty hours plus, so yeah, they they own your value. One hundred percent, yeah. So all that to say that I've always subscribed, uh, at least uh, I say always since I left corporate America, I subscribe to the mantra that you throw good out into the universe and you do right and you uh, you shower people with love, kindness, and laughter um, while having a plan. Ultimately, good things will happen to you and the universe will prevail. And uh, and it has. So it will. I, I've, I've always heard that and I've always wanted to believe that. So for basically my I – mean, I was dumb until maybe about 22, 23, but after that, I consciously put good out into the world. It was like, it'll, it'll eventually come back. And then it became more of a habit of the way I was living. And now, I mean, after 28, 29, I started, you know, started slipping in life or like the Olympics thing didn't work out. If, if, you know, business doesn't go well, I'm always lifted up by other people I helped and totally forgotten about from the past. So it mm. does always come back. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, the last thing I'll say is, uh, obviously, there's a lot of businesses struggling right now, and I was just text messaging back and forth with a pretty prominent business owner in the Kansas City space, and he told me that he had to let go 250 people um, because of the coronavirus and, and having to close down. Uh, this was a, a specific space that's really heavily dependent upon foot traffic and uh, you know bars and whatnot, restaurant space. So he said, I just, you know, I'm struggling with the fact that I, I feel as though I'm letting 250 people down. And, 
after giving it a little bit of thought, I responded to him and I said, man, that's your ego talking. Like, uh, believe it or not, you're not important enough in this universe to control the well-being of 250 individuals. And um, it's it's everybody's responsibility to take care of themselves. This is an unforeseen uh, to most situation in our world. And even if you did see it coming as a business owner, how could you possibly be able to strategize for not having an income for 30, 60 90, whatever the future holds. Like that's very, very difficult. So my point to this gentleman was the universe provided you an opportunity to help 250 individuals up until this point. The universe provided you with a skill set. The universe provided you with a vision. The universe provided you with uh, goals and the right connections to make it happen. The universe giveth and the universe taketh away. So ultimately learn from it and figure out what what can we do moving forward from now to prepare ourselves for future events like this? And ultimately, do the best with what you have. Yeah. And, and you could look at this as, as a, in a way that's a blessing because I, I've been on social media a lot less because it's just been so polarizing and people are arguing and fighting. But now people, uh, people aren't arguing about the things they were once arguing about. So now that we have a real problem to worry about, we'll, we'll unite again. So the United States 100%. will be united. So yes. I'm seeing a lot of people like different uh, grocery stores are blocking off hours for just the elderly and the handicapped because, you know, it's difficult for them to go around while everyone's being so chaotic. So it's good to see that people are being good to each other. Yeah. And, and even one step further. So we got all these folks and businesses catering to the at-risk population, which is absolutely amazing. And then we have the opposite end of the spectrum where people are still going to Florida and Georgia uh, beaches in mass and uh, acting as though life goes on, which, you know, I believe the children are our future. Uh, Teach them well and let them lead the way. But not those ones. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Not, hey, hey, do not let those folks lead <laughs> us anywhere. Yeah, they're they're going to be running the world one day. <laughs> no, they won't. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. <laughs> Newsflash: uh, they're not going to make it through the next sixty days. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're probably right. Well, there's more optimism. You know why? Because they don't have toilet paper. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe they need the ocean, the salt water, to, to clean off. That's what it is. Maybe Great salt point. water cleans. Maybe salt water kills the virus, and we're the idiots for staying True. quarantined the way doctors told us to. Yes, yeah. Dude, you're honest. Yep. Until then, I'm just gonna have to keep running outside in 51 degree weather because <laughs> I was just training for us prepping for the uh, Olympic qualifiers in Argentina. So I was down in Dallas training and like eating well, running hard. Like this is I'm like this is gonna be my last Olympic run. Like abs are starting to show. And then, then they cancel the NBA, and I just hopped on a flight and came back to Portland. I'm like, they cancel the NBA. Argentina's definitely, yeah. So, well, it was a good run. Yeah, it was, it was a good run. It was a good run. We have until May 1st, and that's when they'll officially announce that they're canceling it. But it it's going to be canceled. Hey, but until then, uh, can I get that bagel though? <laughs> hey, uh, they got. Hey, you got that blueberry cream cheese on there too, please. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, man, I'm just going to 
doing jailhouse workouts. We're doing pull-ups, <laughs> sit-ups, jump squats. We're running outside. And uh, also, the uh, what's the challenge? Uh, oh, the Kickstart My Heart Challenge. Kickstart My Heart. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's a good song. Hey, you got to get back to, uh, is, it, is it Linroy? Leroy? Show enough? <laughs> Whatever it is, you got to get back to the mean streets of that. Because oh, Lenroy, back in the day, he was Lenroy. Uh, Lenroy was a was a was 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 a lover of of the music of the seventies and the eighties. Is, is this one? <laughs> but listen, if Lenroy wasn't throwing around plates in the jailhouse, if no. Lenroy wasn't doing a million push-ups at a time, yeah, uh, then that's no Lenroy that I want to know. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's uh, that's abs. That's that's. <laughs> That's Lenroy. He's only doing uh, he's only doing laundry of shorts and underwear and socks because he's not wearing shirts. And have you seen my hair? I'm not putting on a hat. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time. I know that you have a lot of it, but I'm sure your house is with 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 all the kids. And uh, how old's the youngest? Uh, little Brennan Royal, named after Will Ferrell's character in Step Brothers, as you know, and the World Series run of 2014. He is yeah, three, Chiefs. four in April. And then uh, Adeline Grace is seven. She just turned seven in February. So we're turning up and having a good time. Awesome, man. Really, four. Motley Crue, Kickstart My Heart. It's it's roughly three minutes and a half. Uh, I'll go ahead and I will start this challenge uh, via social media. I will tag you in it and say you are up. I'll take it, and I will uh, have my Fitbit running because the challenge will see how much steps I can, how many calories I can, I can also burn. <laughs> All right, man. You you uh you send that challenge over. Thank you for your time. Uh, and you and your family be safe, bro. Deuces, man. Thank you very much. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate the positively awesome message that you got. Stay fun. Love you. <laughs> Love you, man. Out. Out. Oh.